Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show podcast presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. Head on down to Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, opening up later this summer here in the heart of Phoenix, Arizona. Our guest today here on episode 381 of the podcast is a professional wrestler currently in the Lucha League. You may have saw him on AEW Dark last year in 2020 as well. He is Mr. Frank Stone, live from his car. Hey. (laughs) God always cheer when you hear your name, you know? Got to cheer for yourself. Oh, yeah. Do you prefer being a heel or a baby face as a professional wrestler? Uh, Honestly, I think... um, for me, as a professional wrestler, I like being a babyface. It's just something that is a lost art, which I think is selling in the business. And I think I'm pretty damn good at it. So being a babyface is something I prefer sometimes. Because I just feel like I can get, I can get people to uh, connect with things, you know? A lot of guys forget to do that today because they get so glorified by those, the flips and kicks and the leg slaps that we forget about the key essence of just selling. So just the key aspect of storytelling, I feel like, because there's a lot of great guys, whether it's, you know, WWE, AEW, TNA, Lucha League, like all of you guys, as long as you're telling the story, I feel like nothing else really matters. Like you see a guy like Ricochet, for example, in WWE, Mm -hmm. high flyer has all the talent in ring capabilities. You know, he's a great technical wrestler. However, like the character, I think is the one thing that's holding him back. You know, like you need to have, the character in order to get over with the fan base. Yeah, that's very true. And I think a lot of people, when they say character, uh, they forget that the, the, the main aspect of that character is being able to emotionally connect with that person. You know, it's just being a character is one thing, just talking and saying a bunch of stuff. But if no one understands and no one cares, then it doesn't matter. But for Ricochet, he's, he's got a great body, man. He has a great athletic ability. He has a good look to him. You know what I mean? It would be easy if people, if it would be easier for people to connect to him, I think, if he actually was able to tell a story where people could connect to him emotionally. Like, what's he going through? But not just in the sense of some, like, you know, bogus, like, girlfriend cheated on you type story. Don't do that. But I mean, like, in an actual feud, you know, someone that he can actually go head to head with with his talent and his skill and tell a decent story in the ring, you know, he's a high flyer. And for me, it's like, why not take his legs from under him and then see if he can tell a story with someone that keeps chopping him down. You know, when is he going to fly? Well, his fly game is being taken away. Right. You know, it's like in football or any other sport you play, if you're good at one position or you have a good offense, then the opposition should learn how to take away that offense from you. Now the fans are now more enticed to watch your match because they also want to know how are you going to overcome that offense. 
it's like watching any good football game, a good defense versus a good offense, you know? So you got to take those into context, too, when you're stepping in the ring with somebody. And you also got to be in there with someone who's as passionate about the storyline as you are, I feel like. Like, if you got him in the ring with a Roman Reigns or an Edge in WWE, like, those guys will elevate him higher and go out of their way to help him elevate higher, I feel like, as long as, you know, they're free, because those are the top two guys, I feel like, at least on the SmackDown brand right now. But you being in uh, the Lucha League right now, you got a match this weekend. Correct me if I'm wrong. You got a title match. Is it a ladder match? Uh, no, my match is not the ladder match. The ladder match is actually a tag team uh, title match where they're actually going for the uh, tag team titles. I guess there's a dispute between two tag teams. I feel like they are the best in the entire city of El Paso. And uh, I guess it became a free for all at the last minute that everybody wanted a shot at the title. So now it's almost, I think, like a... It's almost like a four-way tag team ladder match. It's going to be bonkers. It's bananas. Well, there's it's the crazy. card right there. Invasion, you're taking on uh, Michael Darkhart there for the title. Man, that's, that's insane. Correct. That's correct. So do you, do you, as of right now, given the pandemic and everything, are you strictly just wrestling right now? Because um, I know you did AEW Dark late last year as well, but are you strictly wrestling in Texas right now? I know, actually, I'm all over. I'm a little bit all over, and I'm really grateful and thankful for that because actually I'm down in uh, Magic City, Miami. I'm actually over there. I'll be next month. I should be in uh, Mississippi, I believe. I think they're working a deal. I don't know if that's with TCW or one of those guys that's over there. I'll be there next month. Uh, This month alone, I think we're going to be in Lubbock with SWE Fury TV. We're going to be in Lubbock. That's pretty much, I think, the closest we're going to be on the west side of Texas. So everybody in El Paso, everybody in this sector is pretty much rushing over to see if they can get a, get a show since I'll be the one of the closest shows they've seen in a while uh, in this area. So, I mean, we're looking to, I'm looking towards some big events, actually, you know, really big. They have Magic City this weekend. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be down there doing that one. I think there is called as Reefer Fest, I think, in Miami City. Uh, it's supposed to be a really big event they're going to be throwing. Uh, I was going to be wrestling on that card. I won't be there for that one. Uh, I had to come back and make sure I take care of some business stuff that's going on here in El Paso with Lucha League and the stuff that's coming because uh, Lucha League has just been blowing up in the city. It's been really good. A lot of people love the storylines. A lot of people are loving the, uh, the the diversity that we bring. We're not just doing Lucha here. We're actually doing wrestling. We're actually telling stories. And that's something that hasn't been seen in El Paso wrestling scene for quite a while. I feel like you guys have a ton of creative freedom in doing what you want to do for your own specific storylines as well. And given that you're able to bounce around from like promotion to promotion, do you prefer that over, you know, being locked into one promotion and, you know, cause obviously the top guns of, you know, AEW and WWE, like you're kind of locked in, there's, you know, writers as well, but like you're able to tell your own storyline while you also get to jump from promotion to promotion. Yes, definitely. I mean, there is some creativity and freedom that's definitely allowed to you at, at this level, uh, especially with the fact that I get a chance to go from different promotion. I do definitely get to play different angles that that promotion would like or different versions, I guess, of the same character in different ways that they would like to use him for whatever angle they have going on. But, yeah, the freedom is basically getting a chance to see what different demographic of market really likes what they like and then putting it all together as one solid character. And I mean, if if anything, if the money is always right and the big company wants you to play a particular character, I mean, hey, why not, right? right. You're going to get paid, so why not? Um, but yeah, I mean, freedom, being able to go out there, feel the crowd, 
uh, make a connection, get your own fan base, uh, be true to what you are when you are in the ring and feel it naturally. Getting those spontaneous, out of nowhere, oh my gods and things, uh, just something that you got to go in there and just feel for every single market. Every market's different, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to get that type of creativity and freedom. What's one of your more favorite cities to wrestle in? Because obviously everybody knows Philadelphia, a big wrestling city, Chicago, one of the biggest as well. But what's your personal favorite to wrestle in? Uh, I'll say so far one of my favorite places that I've actually wrestled, one of my favorite, is wouldn't even be uh, in the States. That's the funny part about it. One of my really? favorite places to wrestle was actually DR. Uh, they had the Olympic Stadium, the old Olympic Stadium that wasn't used in, uh, back in, I think they stopped using it back in 1960-something. And uh, we got a chance to actually wrestle out of there. At the time, I was part of a tag team. And I think they had like some of the big names like Bader and Scott Hall and all these people come down to the show that I was very blessed and happy to be a part of. And um, that was the most craziest, livest, almost throwback to the 1960s, 1970s scene of wrestling that I ever got to experience because the crowd, they were so hot about wrestling that it was, it, it was 100% real to them. It wasn't, this wasn't, this wasn't play, play, come in and do a couple flips and a couple super kicks and walk out of here. This was, you punched our guy, we're all going to kill you type wrestling crowd. Wow. So it was amazing to actually get that experience. And that was the funnest. That was the fun. Uh, being escorted out of the building while they had the police up for us to get to the bus. That was fun. Wow, that really? Was fun, yeah, that was fun. Oh, my God. that that That's probably one of the more crazier scenes that you could be a part of. Have you ever uh, wrestled in Japan? I feel like those guys, no. those, those fans are a lot more disciplined. Like, they're there, and yeah. they'll, they'll, like, softly clap for you after, you know, like, putting someone in a headlock. No, I'm sorry about that, uh, but, but I love that you asked that question because I was going to say no. I've never wrestled in Japan, but I look forward to actually getting that on my uh, off on my list. That's yeah. one of the things I've actually wanted to do on one of my uh, my wrestle, wrestling bucket lists. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I feel like, uh, you know, wrestling the uh, Okadas of the world out in New Japan would be an honor for anybody, especially in front of that crowd that I just feel like is completely different from any other wrestling crowd out there. Like, Everybody wrestles. I think Jericho wrestled there a few years ago and said that basically he thought that the entire crowd was dead or his match that he was having was dead because nobody was cheering. That's just literally the way that they act. Like if they're if they're not saying anything, it means they're like intently, intuitively watching the match. You know, yeah. actually dissecting what's going on in the ring as opposed to just waiting for that big move, that big angle during the match. Yeah, highly respectful people. If they, I guess, if they paid to see a show, they're gonna watch every aspect of it. You know, while here, I guess in the States, we're used to a guy comes in, buys a ticket, sits in front row, and he'll still pick up his phone and not watch what's going on. So right. it's a different it's a different set of cultures, you know, and that's fine. That's fine. Different demographic, you know. I mean, that was that's me growing up in the States. I, I went to a live event once. It was a WWE live event a few years ago, and there was a title change, which never happens at, you know, non-televised live events. It was AJ Styles and uh kevin steen or kevin owens as he goes in wwe wow. and it was a, like a united states title change and i was just on my phone because it's like you know you hear the one two it's like he's gonna kick out you know it's, it's a live event and then you hear the three in madison square garden where it was just erupts and i look up i'm like 
Is there a title change at a live event? That never happens. Like, the good guy, like, the, the baby faces always beat the heels, I feel like, at live events. Just, you know, everybody's getting their work in. Everybody's getting, you know, working on their crafts in the ring, I'd say. But when that happens and it's a storyline and you have to bring that out of in, into television, even though it wasn't on television, I thought that was nuts. I mean, I thought That's that was absolutely occasion. nuts. It never happens. It never happens. So, so for you growing up, like, what was it for you that wanted you wanted to become a pro wrestler? That's a very you know basic question. But you know, how did you get into it? Uh, you know, growing up at a young age, was there anything else that you wanted to do? What, what kind of set your soul on fire for pro wrestling? Wow. Uh, thank you for asking that question. Um, yeah, there was a lot that got me to want to be a pro wrestler. I mean, even as a kid, I used to watch it so much. Especially, I think they had uh, they had uh, Saturday morning of uh, wrestling when I used to watch like uh, the reviews and the back play because they used to, they used, they never used to have like the biggest matches on Saturday morning. Right. But they had they always had the reviews, so you always get to watch that. So as a kid, I got to watch like Saturday morning wrestling WWF at the time. I see you know uh, Roddy Piper, Jake the Snake. Jimmy Snooker, Junkyard Dog, all these people. And I was super fans of Jake the Snake, Roddy Piper, and also Jimmy Snooker. Just the muscles was just popping. I was like, yo, this is crazy. And I see these guys doing these incredible things, you know, jumping off the top rope. And, you know, Roddy Piper, the way he used to incite a crowd. And then the airiness of just Jake the Snake, how he used to just, his, his promos was just, you know, just, just captivating in a way that saying, oh, man, he's a bad man. I used to love that as a kid, you know, I, the storylines that I followed. And, you know, growing up, I didn't know that being a pro wrestler was actually a thing. I just thought that these guys were professional, you know, wrestlers that was handpicked out of college or something yeah. like that. I didn't know where they come from, you know, just some weird out in places. So I used to do semi-pro football, and I think it was one of my last years there that I wanted to play football. And, um, you know, I, I know, I was a good football player, but I wasn't, like, very passionate about it. It was just, like, something to do because, well, what else I was going to do, right? Athlete all my life, you know, been in high school, going into college, doing the, uh, amateur wrestling and stuff like that. So I was like, what, what else to do? Um, at the time, I think my, my ex-wife at the time, she saw a, a video on uh, Deco Drive that was in Florida because I was staying in Florida at the time. And uh, she saw this commercial for uh, Body Slam University. And uh, it was not that far from us. So it was like, why don't we check it out? So I think we went down like a Wednesday or, or Tuesday. And um, I went in there. She talked to them. I talked to them. And I took my first few bumps ever. And I was hooked after that. It was just like, it was like, give me more, you know? And every time I took a bump, it was just more fuel, more fire. And I was like, I just couldn't deny it. <laughs> so you were you were immediate, immediately hooked and passionate about it, as opposed to probably some other guys are like, I want to do this, and then they get into the initial training and they're like, hell no, probably you know, no, you know puking their guts out the that first week. Me. Yeah, it was the opposite for me. It was the training that got me up to it. I actually enjoyed the training more than anything else because I knew that, I knew that the show was there. I knew that performing was there. Yeah. But what had me hooked was actually learning the in and out of it. That's what made me a student of the game. That what made that's what made me so intrigued with wrestling even more. It made me even more of a fan, more of a more of a person that was following everything now. And I was like, wow, there was a backstage to this world. Like I knew there was a backstage to it, but I didn't know how in depth it really was until I started actually training myself. And you know, I was there, and um, 
I had people come in there. You saw these, you know, people that was on TV. You had guys that weren't on TV that was trainers up there. They were coming in and out of the school. They were training one day, going the next, giving us advice. They were watching our matches. They were telling us we sucked. I mean, they were motivating the hell out of us, you know. We'd be in there like, you know, I know I was in there for like, you know, six. We'd be in there six o'clock in the afternoon. And I wouldn't leave till two in the morning. I got the key to the place. I ended up being there from like six to six in the next morning, not even going to work. I was like, oh, shoot, waking up, I had to go to work. I'm like, oh, man. It's like, you know, I was just spending a lot of time just learning my craft with the group that I was with. And we enjoyed doing it so much that we want, we look forward to training. Yeah. We just didn't do the shows. We actually look forward to training. That's how much we enjoyed it. And we learned so much while we were doing it, especially with trainers like Soul Man Alex G, Prime Tom Daryl D, Dan Ackerman, and also, uh, Bruno Sasha, they really helped us out. And, you know, you had guys that came by once in a while, and they really pushed us because they were telling us about the class that was before us. And they would tell us about the guys that came before us, that we were stepping into their shoes, how hard they work and how good they were. And then we saw some of these guys performing on some of the biggest stages already, and we were like, yo, we, we can get there. How hard do we got to work? And it was no longer how hard is us, like, you know, how long. It didn't matter how hard it was. We were just like, yo, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're going as long as we can because we wanted to get so good. And what we didn't realize, that became our bread and butter that made us so good was repetition. And I think that's what a lot of the young guys today try to tell them that if they want to get good at this, it's all about your repetition. The more repetitions you get, the more you do, you're going to get better at it. You can't just do something 10 times and think, oh, I got it. Do that thing 100 times. Do it so good. Do it so much until you can't miss. Do it so bad that when someone tells you to do it and miss, you, you're confused. You can't miss it because you know how to do it so perfectly. Well. I mean, I feel like you guys built like a brotherhood almost training because you were all so hungry in order or were so hungry to get to that next common goal of performing in front of live crowds and becoming professional wrestlers. Was your first developmental contract with WWE or were you, uh, you know, performing somewhere else before then? Oh, uh, no, no. So so when I went down there, I had got an opportunity. This is how that all went down. I got an opportunity to do uh, extra, an extra work with WWE. And that was actually about maybe six months, maybe about, yeah, about six, maybe seven months into my training when I first started back in 2007. And that was a beautiful opportunity because I've never been to the company, never ever been there before, always admired everything about it. And uh, someone that had the opportunity to call and ask if there was an opportunity, uh, that person actually reached out and got there. And that was actually, um, one of the trainers got called up and they said they had one guy that they could use and that happened to be me and i was gonna i was actually gonna be overlooked actually and um they were like hell no give him a chance and see what he can do and i was very grateful for that opportunity alone uh but basically i got to go up there and then i got uh, they got to check me out we was in the ring i was a guy that pretty much said hi to everybody i didn't know who you were but i was just saying hi to everybody uh and um we got in the ring, we did a couple of drills, and I started doing some amateur wrestling instead. I started doing like a state champ on the guy to pin him instead of just like a regular cover like everybody else. And uh, that's when Dean Malenko and Jamie Noble, they pulled me aside and like, hey, come here. And they thought maybe I was part of FCW already. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I'm not part of the FCW. They're like, oh shoot, okay, you're one of the indie guys. I was like, I didn't even know what an indie guy was because I was just in the business for like six months, seven months. I knew what he was talking about, but I was like, I'm not an indie guy. I'm going to rest my first match yet. <laughs> you know, but okay. Uh, but they gave me an opportunity to uh, be on uh, Heat. 
And, uh, but yeah, I think it was a Sunday night heat. And um, I got the wrestle Snitsky in like a dark ma in a in a match, uh, pretty much a squash match. It was pretty awesome. Had fun doing that in front of the crowd. That was in the same. That was in front of the same. Uh, I think I think same Monday Night Raw crowd that was right after WrestleMania, which I got a chance oh, wow. to be there for that. Which I got to sit backstage at WrestleMania with Hardy Race and watch the uh, HBK versus uh, Ric Flair match, which oh, that wow. was an amazing opportunity to sit down and do. Uh, Harley Race was awesome. Um, other than that, like, man, my opportunity there was pretty much real short. It wasn't like a whole contract or development I was there for. It was pretty much just come up, try out for two weeks. I went up there like a ball of fire. Every single drill I wanted to do, I was in every single thing. I was in everything too much to the point where they were telling me to sit the hell down. <laughs> I was just so excited to just be there. I wanted to be a part of every drill. I wanted to learn as much as possible. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to figure it out as quick as possible instead of sitting down and relaxing or chilling like most guys, I guess, you know. But I realized that that was just my energy. That was just me. That, you know, I was just a go-getter. I wanted to learn everything. And at that time, I wasn't fitting the, the cut that they wanted because they wanted that... Uh, they wanted that Calvin Klein model look instead, and I wasn't that type of look. I was more of the, uh, you know, linebacker, weak side linebacker look instead. Like, you know, so it's a different look when you look at, you know, what you're looking for as for what you got. And, I mean, it was pretty cool. I had I met a lot of good guys, a lot of good friends. Never nobody there, you know, rubbed me the wrong way in any way. Um, yeah, up in FCW, everybody was pretty cool. Some of the guys I still talk to today. And uh, other than that, that was a great experience for me, and I just went on to do other things. I started going to, uh, I think, TNA at the time. Uh, right after that, I started going to the TNA uh, bookings where they had, uh, like, the pay-per-views and the TV tapings. And I just went up there as an extra, and I just kept on showing up. And uh, they got me on a security, and then I started doing uh, – a couple things in their matches for them, like doing the extra matches where Kurt Angle was doing a couple extra matches with the uh, MMA guys. I got to be a part of that. I got to be a part of some of the pay-per-views, some of the uh, security spots and things like that. I got to know a lot of people. got to learn a lot of things while I was back there, too. I really got a chance to learn a lot and soak up a lot of information because guys were just taking me aside and teaching me stuff. I did a couple of tryouts with them. And uh, that was about it, really. By the, by the time then, I started working more on the east coast i uh, started uh going places and trying to get out myself and try to actually get more bookings for myself and i started traveling up to new new york new jersey washington uh georgia also had a tag team partner bobby sanford uh and we both just traveled the whole scene we're just traveling the whole east coast just trying to get whatever we can and just rest them Wow. So who were some of those, like you mentioned some of those guys like Kurt Angle, uh, Dean Malenko, Jamie Noble, who, who were some of your biggest mentors, you know, through that whole time period of you, again, trying to, like, again, bust your way through using that hunger to get to where you wanted to be in the industry? Well, some of the biggest mentors, I, I would say they're, they're still my mentors today. Uh, some of them, the ones that I've, you know, kept up with, they're still here today and they're still my mentors. They still help me along the way. A lot of the people that I look towards when I have a question and I'm like, I'm puzzled and I'm like, hey, I need I need to figure this out. Um, but people that I look up to, people that was my mentors, like uh, uh, Primetime Daryl D, Soul Man Alex G. Uh, at the time, uh, he, he passed away already. Uh, Jimmy Snooker, he was there for me a lot. 
he took he, I went on the road with him a lot. I got a chance to actually learn from him firsthand while just talking in the car for hours to whatever show we were going to back and forth. Got some time to spend at his house and, you know, talk to him when I was up there in New Jersey with them. So he was a big influence on me and understanding what was going on in the business, how it happens, why it happens, you know. Um, also, another big influence to me is like Howard Brody, uh, the promoter. He's a pretty awesome dude. You know, I love picking his brain. He, he's ran several promotions. He's known a lot of people, and he's very well known in the business. And I love the way he conducts himself because he's a man's man. He says what he says, and he's honest with what he says. So I keep up with people like that. Uh, big Vito Lograso, uh, yeah. he's a big influence on me because he's he's an amazing professional. And there's nothing about him that's not professional. You know, he's professional 100% all the way, and I love the way his professionalism is to the point where it's rubbed off on me where I said I want to be that type of guy. You know, so when I go to shows and people see me and I have a suit on, you know, and I'm walking in there, it's because I, I, want, to, I want to present myself in the way that I feel that a professional professional wrestler should be, you know. You know I show up, uh, any any athlete in this in today's world, when they show up to their game, they're in their suits, they're ready to go. They look good. They look like money. And that's what it should be professional, the way you conduct business. You talk people directly to the face. You shake hands. You introduce yourself. And, you know, you, you, you carry yourself like a man in this business, you know. And that's what I respect. Well, I think we have a picture of you, Zach, if you want to pull that up. I believe it's of you and, uh, you know, the recently uh, passed New Jack from way back in the day. Mm. There it is. So how how uh, what was your relationship with him? Did you train with him a few times? Was this kind of a one and done thing? What, what was your relationship with New Jack? Well, I got to meet New Jack. I think twice. I think at two tapings that we got to do. But the time that I got to speak with him, we exchanged numbers and we actually got to talk a lot more. Um, I'll say this: the time with New Jack, like the second I met him, was awesome because it was almost like a golden moment. I saw him. I looked at him. Was like, that's New Jack. Yeah. Then next thing I know, he walks over and say, "Come with me." I'm like, I, I didn't know, I didn't get to introduce myself to him. I didn't nothing. He's like, "Come here." So I walk over there with him, and he walks over with Corey Child and say, "Y'all two my boys." I'm like, "We two your boys?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> no problem, <laughs> whatever." So you know, I'm not gonna question it. But uh, he walked away for a little bit, then came back a little later, and he sat down with both of us and he just started rapping with us, man. Like, he just started wow. talking. I was like, I didn't have to ask. didn't have to ask no question. He just started telling you the game right then and there. And I loved it. I loved every single minute of it. And he saw, I think he knew it. He knew it the second I saw it. And I think that's when we exchanged numbers. He's like, yo, call me for anything, you know, so I could, we could talk a lot more. But he was awesome. He was an awesome, positive person in me, you know. He told me to protect myself all the time. And he said, you know, you got talent. He told me, you know. You, 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 the way you conduct yourself, people are going to like that. Just make sure you stand up for yourself and, you know, keep, keep, make sure that uh, you keep your head on your shoulders. He was never, he, he never influenced me in any bad way. He was always just keeping it straight. So, you know, I got to respect a guy like that. I was just talking straight up. I mean, it's amazing to see how you've been able to, you know, soak up all this knowledge. Like it's a sponge per se, you know, around all of these great guys in the industry. And, and obviously early on, you had the hunger, you had the passion, were there ever points where you, you know, you know, quote unquote, that B word burned, you know, burned out at any point? Because you left for four or five years there. You were in the U.S. Army, correct? Yeah, that is correct. I don't. I wouldn't say it was burned out. It's just at that point, um, I know I was doing a lot of good things. I really was. I was excelling at what I was doing. I was getting my name out. But at that point, right there, I think I felt like uh, it was kind of stagnant. 
I, I had a hardship trying to figure out between wrestling and paying the regular bills. And that's something that I think most wrestlers in the business are still trying to figure out either way, make sure the bills are paid. And um, I think at that time, I wasn't really big on social media. I wasn't really big about the whole, you know, platform of, like, you know, selling yourself on social media, how a lot of the guys are today, where pretty much you can influence so many people just by having a following. And that pretty much gets you booked in today's business, which is completely different from the business back then. What I was used to growing up to understand that if you're a good worker and you know how to work, you're going to get booked. Just get yourself out there, get people to know your name, and they'll be calling you. It's a little different today. People are not networked through social media. So if you let's say... You got 20,000 uh, followers on social media, but you still don't know how to work a lick. Guess what? People are booking you just because you got a follower. It's crazy in today's world. Uh, but for me, back then, when I was there and I felt like uh, I needed to take a break, I wanted to get more stability for myself. I wanted to find something that was going to at least make sure I take care of myself in a way and get some discipline. Plus, at that time in my life, I was also not too right. Uh, when it comes to, like, my mental, I was just all over the place with wrestling, all over the place with trying to figure out my finance, trying to figure out life at, like, what, 27? It was weird, yeah. especially since you've been wrestling this whole time. So I was like, you know what? You go to a job, you get it, you're with that job for, like, a year or two, but then you get fired because you're stuck at a wrestling gig and you can't get away from that, you know? So I was like, okay, how do I pay my rent? So I thought, you know what? Let me go ahead and do something that's going to benefit me, at least going to give me the benefits that I need for my life, make sure if I have a family... Uh, that I'd be able to take care of because at the time I was a family man, now I am. But um, that was a way to set myself up so I had at least a stability in my life. So I chose that way and I said I'd step away. But the wrestling was still always here, you know, it's always in the mind and it was always on there. I was still itching about it. Sometimes I'll catch it when I was deployed. I'll see some shows. I think some of the guys came over there to. Uh, w I think WWE came over there to uh, Afghanistan and Kuwait, and I got to meet some of the guys, and it was kind of funny because when I met some of them, they knew who I was, even though I was all clean-shaven and everything, and it was a great conversation, you know, to get to see them and they're asking me everything. And it was a good relationship. You know, it was really good, and it was funny to see my command because my command knew I wrestled, but they didn't know I wrestled or wrestled, and when the, those guys came over and they knew who I was, they were like, oh, shoot, he really did wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> so it was pretty fun. Wow, so you never really lost the passion. It was more of just like, right now I need to do something that's going to be benefit me and my family, and then we'll circle back around later if, it, if it's right. So when did you kind of know that it was right to come back to pro wrestling after that time period? Oh, man, uh, that's, that's a real good question. Honestly, I didn't know. I really did. I know the burn was there. I knew the itch was there to do something with my life once I was done. Uh, once I got out of the military, I was just sitting down. I didn't know really what to do. I gained a bunch of weight, and I was just, like, just bored. And I actually got to play video games, which I really don't get to play a lot of. So I got to play some Modern Warfare. And trust me, I just still don't know how to play because I get shot the second I get on the field. Yep. It just sucks for me. And I'm in a gulag. I'm in a gulag. Yeah, the gulag. I'm in a gulag, like, within five seconds of playing. It sucks. <laughs> so... <laughs> I had to figure something I was going to be good at. So I was looking around down here in El Paso for um, for some schools that they had. And I found some places that kind of ran a promotion. So I said, let me just go there and see what's going on. And I went to their shows and I checked it out. And then one show, they actually said they had a school. And I said, can I go by the school? So the first week, you know, I showed up, paid how much ever they wanted me to pay. By the time the first week, they were asking me to train the school. I was like, hey, I didn't come here to train you guys. I came here to, to work out. <laughs> they were right. like, well, we don't know American wrestling. You do. 
I'm like, well, okay, but show me your lucha. So uh, for like a month or two, they pretty much showed me some of the lucha stuff, and then I started interchanging with them the American style. And, you know, even then I didn't know if, it was, if actually coming back to wrestle was going to be my thing to actually wrestle. Um, I just didn't know the plane. I didn't know the field, how it was. I tried to watch some of the wrestling stuff that was going on now when it was – it was there wasn't much of a connection to it, you know. I was just like, okay, well, I don't really know what's going on. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who that is, guy. And then I try to watch some matches of guys that I do know, and you know, it's a whole different ballpark out there. You know, guys are doing it's almost like a spot fest instead of a storytelling going on. Everyone's trying to get this stuff in, so it was it was very difficult to understand what's really happening if it's just pretty much two athletes going in there and let me show you what I can do. Okay. And okay. You know, cool. You can do really cool stuff, but you didn't tell me a story. Cool. Right. Okay. But, um, after that, um, I called around and someone told me they had an opportunity for me in AEW. And I was very happy about that. I was already getting in shape prior to that to get in the best shape I could. I dropped a lot of weight. I lost weight. I was training. I was eating better. I was taking care of myself better. And uh, I got to the point where pretty much I was ready for the opportunity, pardon me, how to take a swig of this nice H2O. Got to hydrate. So, Got to hydrate all the time. Should plug water. <laughs> So, you know, eventually I got myself to the point where I was getting over there. and It was crazy. It was hectic. You know, drove all the way there just for the hell of it, just to get there. And it was amazing. I got there, had a great time in AEW. Everybody was amazing. Everybody was awesome. Uh, the, the Tony Khan, Cody, Jericho, uh, all the way down to Big Swole, uh, Demonte, um, uh, Will, uh, Will. Uh, what is his name? Taz. Everybody was yeah. so awesome there, you know. Everybody was super, super awesome. And especially with me, I think I think the part for me that was a kind of a shock being at AEW was the fact that I didn't know how much of, like, PTSD was going to affect me. Because I will say that the second I heard the first fireworks go off, I was, I was, I was like, in a different world almost. I was, like, mm -hmm. still trying to figure out where the hell I was. And I think for me, just dealing with that, my nerves was definitely uh, rattling me the whole time. But Getting through that experience, uh, that actually helped a lot. Just being able to get through it, those guys really helped me out a lot too, especially at the end of the night. They definitely uh, was there for me, and they were like, hey, you, you pulled through, and they helped me out. And um, I got through that, and I feel better. So that stuff doesn't bother me as much anymore. Now I'm focused on the game, focused on what I like doing, focused on wrestling. That's pretty much what I keep my head to. But, yeah. That's what pretty much kept me in the game. And once that happened, once I got my time at AEW, I went ahead and said, let me keep doing this. I enjoy doing it. Why am I going to stop? There's nothing that can stop me. And, you know, if, if opportunities are there, why am I going to sit down when those opportunities are mine? You know, and I, I tell people that all the time. Your opportunities are your opportunities. There's, no, there's nobody taking your opportunities. If you want it, go get it. Yep. You know, so why am I going to sit down and wait? 100%. Did you ever um, get a deal from Tony Khan? Or was it more freelance stuff for AEW Dark? 
it was pretty much just AEW dog, just freelance, no contract, nothing like that. Just came in one time deal, check it out, see how it was, see if there was a fit, see if there was an opportunity there. Like I said, uh, what they're looking for, I love, I love what they got, what they're looking for for their fan base. Everybody has a different uh, taste and everything, you know. Some people want chicken, some people want steak, some people want whatever they want. But for wrestling, it's the same type of uh, it's the same type of tray or fest- festivities when it comes to wrestling. Everybody has something that they want. They can find their own taste, their own flavor. AEW, I think their flavor of what they want is more of that high impact, flippity type, you know, in your face kind of like impact type stuff. And I mean, if that's what they want, that's fine with me. If I can fit that that they would like, then that's fine. But if I don't fit it, then you know, it's it's not a problem for me. It's not something that's gonna be like. Oh man, I can't fit that, you know, criteria. I can't work that style. But everybody has their, uh, everybody has their, uh, their flavor, man. You know. I mean, one hundred percent. There's a picture of you. It was at Sunny Kiss. Is that an intergender wrestling match? <laughs> AEW. Oh uh, yeah, right. Might as well be right. <laughs> Sunny's awesome, man. He's cool. Yeah. But uh, yep, that was me. I think that was right before I threw him over my back, and pretty much I think I tried to break his back or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, you were in a couple. There's Joey Janela, a couple of tag team matches. We saw a picture there of you and Billy Gunn, because his sons are in AEW now, which is very interesting to see. Yes, indeed, Billy Gunn, Austin Gunn, Austin Gunn. He's pretty cool, man. I got a chance to work him. Uh, he's an awesome dude. I think he came from the Ring of Honor dojo. Also, uh, along with uh, I think uh, Emperor. Emperor is also from uh, right. the uh, Ring of Honor dojo. And those two guys, man, they were pretty cool. They was pretty awesome. Billy, I love awesome. I've wrestled him before in the past. I mean, he's amazing. I enjoy being in there again with him. And, uh, and oh, actually, there was another one, uh, Sean Dean. Yeah. You know, uh, me and him, we just clicked like it was nothing. It was like like two brothers from different mothers. We just clicked, man. Uh, we got in there both uh, prior uh, military service. And uh, the tag team that we had with him and Joey Janela and uh, Sonny Kiss, it was just, it was just a good, it was a good flow, very good flow. Do you have any specific like storylines that you've ever drawn up that you've never been able to do? Like anything personally that you've written yourself that you've always wanted to try out? I've had a few. I've had a few. Like uh, especially with AEW, when I was first thinking about that, what I wanted to do. Uh, this one character where I wanted to come in as like the real American Dream against Cody. Oh wow! Because I was like, he's no longer the American Dream. I had a thought that maybe. You know, he's disconnected with America. They're America now. They're America today. You know, especially when you had, like, BML and all that stuff going on. Oh, yeah. I wanted to be the new American dream, the dream that was for the people, the, the people today. And I wanted to be against him and trying to destroy the whole nightmare factory and everything, like an antagonist to him, to where people would feel that if they liked the new American dream because they connected to it, well, then that's another fan base. If they felt like, you know, Dustin Rose and Cody Rose was the American dream, true family, the dream family, then they would go with them. But at least then you would have a two different sides that would reflect America today, where you have the left and the right, and you had all that going on, but it could be a good storyline where I'm building my side and I'm building the new American dream family where we're, you know, we're people of different ethnics, we're people that's hardworking American, we're, we're, the, we're the Mexican, we're the Puerto Rican, we're the black, we're the Italian, we're the guys that have been busting our asses in America that doesn't get rec- the recognition, like how Dusty Rose was getting the recognition because his son is no longer from a son, his son is rich. Right. So I was like, it would be a great, it would be a good angle that we can do on that, but that's just my angle that I was thinking about that could have went that way, you know? If you were talking about storylines. Did you ever pitch it? 
I try to. <laughs> it didn't go very far with Tony or Cody for that so matter. Far. Yeah, they didn't go so far. Like I said, I think they have their own stuff, and that's okay. Like I said, they have their stuff that they want to do. They have their ideas of how they want to do their do their uh, tape and how they want to tell their storylines. And, you know, they got, like, five different VPs from the Young Bucks, Kenny, right. Cody, and, and you know, so they already have their ideas of what they want to do. And I think, honestly, for them, I think it's just going to be a test of time for their product totally. I mean, I'm, I'm loving their product. If they keep going, I'll, I'll always tell anybody I hope that they last a long time because I think for AEW to finally get a foothold and where they need to be is going to be how long they're going to run for, especially with now all the doors open for them to run uh, live shows. It's going to really uh, be a test of time. How long can they continue to supply talent, supply the venues, excuse me, and also be able to just be able to put on good shows for a long period of time and have fans still interested in what's going on. Right, I mean, so we'll see what's happening. They're really the first business since, you know, Impact. I mean, they're obviously still going, but Impact was never a real threat per se to the top of the food chain, right? I feel like All Elite Wrestling is the first real threat because they have a lot of really top guys, both former big WWE guys like Rhodes and Jericho, but they also have the Omegas and the Young Bucks, guys that the American wrestling community has never really seen before, at least on a national scale, on national television, right? That's correct. But I agree with you on that, but who are their threat to? Right. Well, the uh, the initial thought is that they'd be a threat to WWE and Vince McMahon, right? Which isn't necessarily, you know, the ideal, but that's what, you know, the wrestling community would normally go to. That was the original thought, I think, when AEW first launched. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, when you really look at it in that sense, saying that WWE or AEW would be a threat to WWE, you've got to really honestly look at what's going on. You're talking about a company that's pretty much just get its, getting its bare and national while you're having a company that's international, right. WWE. Right. WWE is an international brand. You're not talking about, you're not talking about uh, uh, WWE back in Stanford, Connecticut back in 1970. That was showing shows that was only out of uh, Madison Square Garden. We're talking about, you, you, when you're looking at that, you're looking at what AEW is now. AEW is just now doing their first on-the-road show. They're just now getting out of Daddy's place. They are what Vince McMahon was back in the 70s. Right. Vince McMahon is be light years beyond that. He's an international. He's such a big brand that his brand is running on a what, a national syndicate called a channel, Peacock. Right. So you buy the channel, and all over the world, internationally, you're watching this. AEW doesn't have that opportunity to do that with their international yet. So you're not competing. That's not a competition. Right. That's not. If anything, they might be the top promotion in the United States. They might be competing on hand with other top promotions in the United States. But to say that they're competing with WWE on a brand, no. It's just another it's just another different a, dip, a different place to eat. Like you have uh McDonald's, you got Wendy's. You know, McDonald's international. Wendy's might just only be here in the in the States. But McDonald's international. Wendy's isn't competing with with, with McDonald's on any scale. You know, so that's not a competition. Well, when you put it that way, Frank Stone, I guess you're correct in that in that retrospect. But uh, uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on, I, I feel like you've been in your car for like 40 years now, it seems like. <laughs> I want to I get you on with your day here. But the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, obviously a family man, a father now, you know, driving all around the place. 
how are you uh, balancing everything now? Because, again, like starting out with that hunger early on in the early days, you take that five-year um, rest, and then you're a different person now than you were then. Like, what, what, what's the hunger like now, you know, like as not only a family man but as a professional wrestler? Have your goals changed at all um, in this second stint with pro wrestling? I think yes. I'll say yes and yes because um, – through growth, I guess your ideas of where you want to be also changes too. Yeah. Um, yes, my 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 projected goals from when I first started has changed a lot, especially with the fact that a lot of promotions that when I first started that was open are no longer around. So those type of places are not feasible for me to be working at or being able to chance to work for. Right. Uh, some of those maybe matches, yes. Yeah, some of the people are still around, so yes. But uh, with I'll say the biggest difference between then and now is the fact that I've learned a newfound discipline, especially when it came to the military, just learning how to organize my day, organize my life, put my time where it needs to be put in, things that that needs my time, I spend time doing it, uh, things that don't, I understand that I don't make those priorities. So it's really about you know managing my daily life to make sure I can knock out things that I need to get done, my training in the morning, my walks in the afternoon, making sure I'm meal prep, taking my family, find time to read books with my daughter, find time to spend time with my wife, finding time to spend time with my son, do things actively. Uh, my family is also a big part of it because when I go to places, they usually come with me most of the time, and we usually make it a family trip. We find things in the area to do after a show. Uh, so we try to make it a family thing instead of just, you know, my own, my own business. This business is so big, it's so amazing that if you do it the right way, your family will enjoy doing it with you. Or you can make it a single thing where you do it by yourself. It's not like back in the day where there's a lot of kayfabe going on today. Your family knows what you're doing, and if they understand what you're doing, they invest in what you're doing, and they see that you can go places doing what you're doing, then, of course, take them along on the job. They might like to come to a couple of shows, too. They might want to see some of the things you're doing. And then when you go off by yourself, they know what you're doing. They have faith in you. And that's a little bit of prayer that you have back home for you while you're on the road, you know? Do you think that one of your kids would want to aspire to be a professional wrestler growing up? And if they did, would you train them? Oh, man. My son's already over here trying to body slam me and drop elbows and stuff. Uh, honestly, if my kids wanted to, I probably would. I'm not going to hold them back from anything. I'm not, I don't want to be one of those type of people where um, I, I would never want to be the type of parent that would hold my child back from anything right. that they want to do. You know, Especially if I have the opportunity to guide them in the right direction for what they need, then why not? You know, We have, a, we have schools over here where people are training these guys and girls that come in that want to be pro wrestlers. You know, how foolish would it be to me that I sit over here and help guys and train guys? And uh, I'm learning every day, too. But why, how foolish would it be of me to help some other person learn how to do the thing right and get it done right? And I wouldn't help my own brother my own family, you know? So, of course, if my kids wanted to be pro wrestlers, it would be completely up them. They would definitely have to make sure they got good grades and learn some studies and get their degrees. But, yeah, if they wanted to, definitely, definitely. Would you, like, I wonder how it would be if, like, you were, I don't know how old you are, but, like, if your son got into it and you guys were able to be, you know, like, if Dusty and Cody Rhodes ever got together to form a tag team, like, would that be something that would interest you? Uh, yeah, I would say that would take maybe the next, but let me see. Either way, I look at it, maybe, what, 16 or 18 years? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I got a You got to plan ahead. That, that could be your why to train for the next 16 to 18 years, to have that opportunity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Well, you got your uh, oh, big yeah, title fight. Oh, my God. That would be incredible. I, I would definitely look 16 to 18 years down the road to see if that happens. Make that a why, dude. That would be awesome. But uh, you got your big title That's fight this weekend against, <laughs> against uh, Michael Darkhart uh, in the Lucha League. There's the card once again. Uh, Frank, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I'll let you uh, get out of your car. I don't know if you're in your parking garage or if you're still driving around, but I'll let you get to it. I think... Yeah, we're out here. We're about to get back home soon. <laughs> that's good. That, that, that's good to hear. But uh, this was uh, episode 381 of the podcast. We are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona, opening this summer. Frank, again, thanks so much. This was episode 381. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.